Hey, everybody, Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, join our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. In addition, LinkedIn is the channel that you're going to find me most active on. Make sure you send a note with your connection request that references Social Capital. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping you best understand your customer. You can check out more at keystoneclick.com. Today's episode is a little different. It's part one of our three-part Manufacturing Mavens, a broadcast miniseries. I've got two guest hosts with me for this miniseries, Chris Harrington and Aaron Courtney. Part one is actually going to be guest hosted by Aaron Courtney. Aaron is the VP of Digital Services at Earthling Interactive. Aaron loves watching programmers work their magic, opening up the possibilities of the internet to small, medium businesses with powerful websites and custom software, calling herself a digital empathy practitioner. Aaron is determined to help clients move thoughtfully and compassionately into their digital future. Take it away, Aaron. Well, thank you, Lori. I'm so happy to be here. This is so exciting. Um, so we're going to start the show with a quick introduction um, for you and Chris, the other broads in our broadcast. Um, <laughs> let's start with Chris. Chris Harrington is the president and COO for Gen Alpha Technologies. During her time with OEMs in the mining industry, Chris and the other founders of Gen Alpha saw a need to fi- find a better way for B2B manufacturers to do business. This led to the development of Equip, an e-commerce, e-catalog, and analytics solution for manufacturers and distributors who want to grow their business online. And next we have Lori, uh, Lori Hybe, our podcast host, speaker, educator, and founder of Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency. Using her vast multi-industry knowledge gained from experience and education, she has the ability to see the potential of greatness within already established good of a business. Throughout strategic actionable moves, she has worked with Fortune 500 companies such as ABB and Sagenta to micro-business owners to achieve their marketing goals. Lori carries her energy and drive into her professional engagements in order to empower and educate other fellow lifelong learners. It's great. It's amazing. You're so amazing. All of us amazing on this broadcast. Oh, oh, y'all broads. So um, we're going to get started today with um, today's topic is social selling. I think that's a great way to kick things off because that's kind of how we all met, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just excited to finally be here. And social selling is just a quick definition. It's kind of a, a modern concept that really took off during the pandemic. And that means you're using your social networks and digital platforms to support your selling. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. And um, a little bit of background on how we have used social selling and how it brought us together. Uh, Chris and I were panelists on Sam Gupta's e-commerce panel that happens on LinkedIn Live weekly. And through that, we just kind of got to know each other. We had all these great conversations and we exchanged a lot of resources. And then, of course, we got to know Lori because of her amazing podcast, Social Capital. And um, that is another way that we learned both about her services, but we also got to know her. So that's the social part. So um, it really provides a lot of opportunity that 
prior to all of these digital platforms were done in person, which is awesome. But um, now we have the uh, advantage of being much more savvy on these digital platforms. So um, I just kind of want to talk a little bit about the fundamentals and then we're going to go into some questions with you guys. So. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, how the pandemic brought a lot of the social selling, a lot of selling online, both for B2B and B2C. And so many more sales professionals are using these tools. And some of the tools involve like LinkedIn, podcasting, video sharing, and other CRM related applications. So you kind of blend all those things together in your social selling. Um, so then of course, there's the social Part and we're naturally, as professionals, we're always like happy to be social and we're gifted at making those outreaches. But something that's a challenge for all of us, even those of us that are in tech industries, is blending that technical part in to bringing out the best success that you that you can have with social selling. So with that, I'm gonna. It's okay if I ask you guys some questions. Of course. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, you know what? I'm going to start with you, Lori, just because uh, you're our host and I'm going to ask you this question. <laughs> Go for it. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Hey, Lori, you, you mentioned LinkedIn in your intro. So how do you use that as a social selling tool? I mean, outside of the obvious, you know, you're on LinkedIn, what are some of your tips and tricks and what are some of the other tools that you really like, but beginning with LinkedIn? Well, man, I could talk about LinkedIn for hours, um, <laughs> okay. probably because I spend hours on it on a daily basis, actually. And people are surprised when they hear me say that. But it's not just the posting. That's the first. Actually, the first thing you want to look at on your LinkedIn is really optimizing your profile. So um, I know you both understand that we're optimizing, but not everyone that is listening really understands what that means. And it's just making sure that when someone is searching for something, that you're the one that actually shows up as a resource. So we've, we've heard of, you know, optimizing your website for Google. It's the same philosophy and concept with LinkedIn. Um, and so that when someone looks at your profile, they realize what your true expertise is. And so um, oftentimes people think LinkedIn profile is, structured like your resume. And that's actually wrong. It's a beautiful place to tell your story and really showcase what you want to be known for and help put um, some perspective in other people's eyes on, on your expertise, but also be found for your expertise as well. Um, so start with your profile first, and then you have to look at creating connections. Um, and when I'm looking at the connections, I'm, I'm genuinely looking to create relationships um, but also be a resource. So I've, I've gotten to the level where I have a follow button and not just a connect button, which is a, a fun space to be. But it's all about adding value and not selling, actually. You know, and I know we've talked about this before that social media is about being social. The selling is kind of something that happens after the fact because you've you've created that relationship, you've established trust, and people are comfortable because you've provided so much information of value that then they're interested in having that conversation of potentially creating a, a business relationship. And, and that's really how I, I use the tool. Um, some tricks and tips. Oh goodness, which ones do I share with you? Uh, one of my favorites is when someone reaches out and connects with me that I do not know, I have a two-part question that I respond back with them. 
My first question is, what is it about my profile that intrigued you to want to connect with me? And the second question is, how can I best be a resource to you on LinkedIn? And that starts a conversation then. Um, and it also easily identifies those are going direct for the sales pitch that I'm not interested in actually fostering a relationship with. But it's really fascinating because sometimes people connect without saying a reason why, but they're actually interested in doing business with you. Yeah, You'd be surprised how many people, when I ask that question, they're like, oh, we're actually looking for a marketing company right now. And I was interested in, in talking more. So they sent the connection request, but didn't open with that. But I had to initiate the conversation to do that. So I think it's a really powerful way to start that conversation when someone is reaching out to you. That's a great tip. I'm, I'm going to start doing that as well. And sometimes you just kind of are like, oh, you're not serious. But those ones where you don't know, that's a really good way to mm -hmm. get that conversation started right away. Awesome. Chris, what are you doing over there on LinkedIn? Yeah, no, I, I love everything Lori had to say because, um, well, I'm learning already. So I think it's just wonderful. <laughs> you know, what I do on LinkedIn is I'm really using it to deepen a relationship with the connections that I may have just made. So if that's that we just did a demo with a new company and there were new participants in the demonstration that I haven't met before, I might connect with them on LinkedIn to, to deepen that relationship. Um, at the trade show, I was just recently at a trade show for my expo this last week. You know, there'll be a lot of people that I'm connecting with that I already formed an in-person connection with, and now I want to deepen that relationship. It might not, again, I'm not necessarily looking to sell. I'm looking to have that connection because my whole goal on LinkedIn is to share content, content that is of value. And I would say that my biggest trick is just to be authentic, mm -hmm. um, which is sometimes it's challenging when you're in a place where there are professionals, you know, so you, you sometimes want to have that professional face, but in reality, you really want people to get to know you, who you are. So it's the, it's the challenge of being authentic to who you are, who your company is, and how you want uh, people to understand how you can be helpful and useful. So that's really what I'm using LinkedIn for. Um, now, when it comes to some other social platforms, you know, we have uh, we have tried Twitter and we've tried Facebook, um, but we find that those are really more personal, at least in the space that we're in. So we haven't uh, had a lot of success. We're there um, and we're sharing information, but we're just not connecting with people as much on those platforms today as as others. So that's a little bit about my experience so far. I'm still using the free platform. I mean, Me too. I, yeah. I don't pay for LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we do have members of our sales team who have some advanced uh, things that they're doing, but I haven't paid for LinkedIn the entire time I've used it. So um, that's still true today for me as well. And the value is there. Sometimes yes. on the free version of some sort of a SaaS, you don't really get the value. You mm -hmm. just kind of get the taster teaser, yeah. but mm -hmm. with LinkedIn, you get that. That's great. And I, I really love how both of you blend the professional 
work that you're doing with the personal connection. I think, Lori, your social um, social capital podcast is a really good example of that too. And just observing that you're both like deep experts, but you're also deeply interested in other people and that comes across. So that would be, you know, just a, a key to success. Be yourself, um, but then also draw on your own expertise. So I, I love how both of you are doing that. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. You are too, Erin. Oh, thanks. I give him my best shot. <laughs> but speaking of me, uh, you know, one of my biggest challenges, I know this to be kind of a hard question. I can't wait to hear your answer. I'll be transparent. Um, <laughs> is that tracking accountability? Because we both have, have all, we've all described how we don't sell in that sort of traditional mm-hmm. way with social selling. But at the end of the day, it's about closing business, right? That's what we need to do so that we can stay on LinkedIn. Um, it's, so there are these activities that you need to do to kind of move you through the, the funnel as the salesperson and tracking and accountability are just part of that. When it comes to the social environment on, online, it can be a little bit harder because you're kind of hitting all these different points and you're on there daily. What are some ways that you're able to track your metrics for success and your accountability? through social selling. I'm going to start with you, Chris, just to mix it up. Sure. Um, and I have to admit that we, we struggle with this as well. Um, and I think that overall, any metrics related to marketing, I think are a little difficult for our organization to understand truly when they're working because we have a long sales cycle. So, um, so I, I think you're not alone, Aaron, that other people struggle with this as well. But I will tell you the two metrics that I've found that I think, at least for now, and I hope that there are others later that will lead to conversions, maybe and other types of things, but we're really tracking our followers. And we're watching the growth of our followers. Um, and, and that's really important because I hope that it means that people connected with something that we're doing enough to say, I'm going to follow what they're doing and keep an eye on them. And that gives us an opportunity when we're sharing great content that we're going to potentially come up in their feed and then they're going to look at us a bit further or at least read what we might be sharing or listen to the videos that we might be publishing. The other one that the other metric uh, that we really look at a lot is website sessions. So when people take, uh, you know, go from Facebook to our website, which is where we would hope that they would go if they're interested in learning more about Gen Alpha or of course, engaging with more content because we have a lot more content on our website than we do on LinkedIn. So if we can get people to follow us and they start to see us repeatedly in their space, understanding uh, their industry, what they do, if we're being useful, and then they move to the website and they continue to uh, resonate with the materials that we're giving, then there's that potential that hopefully they'll engage with us in some other way. Mm-hmm. So that's those are two that we've been really following. We have a lot of metrics and probably similar to both of you. Uh, I don't always know which ones are the the best, but those two for this, I think are, are indicators. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's such a nice 
the following numbers, the analytics and those things. And that's one of the advantages, right, of social selling using digital services is that you have those tracking mechanisms sort of built into the platform um, where, you know, if you're doing it person to person, you're kind of a little more responsible for making sure that you're doing that tracking on your own. So, um, yeah, good, good tips. Lori, what are you doing to make sure oh. it's working? <laughs> <laughs> this is a great question. And, you know, I, I could probably resonate with Chris on um, what we're doing for ourselves is still a little bit of a mystery, um, more so because I'm not the one looking at it. I, I've got a team behind me. But I can tell you what I talk about from an educational standpoint when we talk to our clients um, and just when I'm out there speaking about really measuring your ROI. And it, it, what's very important, I think this is one of the biggest things that people don't get clear on is what is the goal that they're trying to achieve? Because there's so much data out there on the internet that you can you know, get, what is the phrase? You get um, analysis paralysis, right? right? Cause you're just kind of staring at it. You don't know if this is valuable yep. or not valuable. Um, so, uh, when I was actually teaching at the university, there's, uh, the three A's that I would look at and now what this is going to drive me nuts. Is it, one, is it, um, attainable is the data that you're trying to capture easy to actually get, um, is it easy to analyze? And then can you take action on it? Mm -hmm. Because why are you going to look at data that you can't even take action on at, at the end of the day? Is it going to tell you a story that's going to say we're on the right track or the, the wrong track, you know, and that's really important to understand. But going back to what is it that you're trying to achieve and then figure out what is the tactics that we're putting in place to achieve this goal and then align your measurements with those specific tactics. And that's going to help you get really clear on um, is this data actionable? <laughs> you know, these are the data points that we can say, oh, this tactic is working or this tactic is not working. Um, some and those are easy for the hard numbers, which is you know cost, profit, revenue, the size of your pipeline. Um, the hard part, um, the hard numbers are actually what we refer to as the soft numbers. You know that people know you, like you, and trust you. That you've increased engagement. That you have customer loyalty. You know that you're building relationships and rapport. And that's what we're all trying to do in the digital space. But it's really hard to measure that. Yes. So it, it's. Um, there is no easy way to do that, but you know, a couple of things that we look at from a brand awareness standpoint, if we're trying, you know, how do you measure brand awareness? So is, is, do you have an increase in your website traffic? That means more people of, of new visitors, you know? So that's a way to kind of look at that customer loyalty. Then you're looking at repeat visitors or does your email subscriber list grown because people want to hear from you? Um, you know, lead generation, that's an easy one. Do you have more conversions on your forms or not? So it's just really taking a look at, um, what is it that you're trying to achieve and what data points are going to be helpful and telling you if you're on the right track or the wrong track? Broad answer, but hopefully. <laughs> no, it's, it's good to have the reminders also super reassuring to hear. I like that comparison between like the hard numbers and the soft numbers, mm -hmm. um, especially since the social selling approach, at least that I take, is really more about those soft numbers. Mm -hmm. And I would just like to... Um, Make a request to LinkedIn. If you could do better analytics for my personal page, that would be awesome because I really find the analytics they do for our company page super helpful. But then I'd like to know how's it going for me, you know? 
over here. <laughs> like, um, it's, it's a little bit harder. You can do it post by post. You can look at some of your analytics, but then to just kind of get a dashboard idea. Um, I haven't found that yet. But if, I think if you're on the paid version though, you have a lot more data available to you. Maybe I don't know how to access it. I'll have to, cause I am on the paid version. Oh, okay. so it does I'm not on the paid it. version, so I could be wrong yeah. too. No, <laughs> I don't, I don't see a, a dashboard. And I think that would be, I think that'd be really helpful. Okay. Um, we'll tag LinkedIn in this and when we post it. <laughs> perfect. And I know it's just going to go through the roof. I'm sure. going to see a big peak. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, great, great. Good tips. So let's think about our listeners for a minute. Um, many of them are probably in B2B sales and most likely in manufacturing and industry. Uh, we're going to be talking about digital transformation in our upcoming episode. But now I'd like to touch on the topic of transitioning from a heavily, and Chris, you just sort of acknowledged this. You just went to my expo, so you're going to have some good things to say here. A heavily trade show, site visit, visit-oriented sales strategy, to, so moving from that person to person to um, more digital social selling techniques. Um, do you guys have any stories from the field of where this has gone well and where it has maybe not quite yet penetrated? Um, yeah, I'm gonna start with you, Chris, again, just because you're straight off the, off the trade show sure. event. Yeah, you know, when it comes, so I, I shared with you that I do think trade shows still have a lot of value for having that personal touch. But of course we haven't had trade shows uh, for the what last 18 months and they're just kind of coming back. But I think uh, it's taught us that there are other ways to connect with people as well. So I do think all of the social op opportunities are really important. What we found can be helpful is sending a message through LinkedIn because Often, and I do think this is true. I mean, it's been 10 years since I worked as a manufacturer. But when I was a manufacturer, I was very busy with my job and I was not hanging out on LinkedIn like I am today as a vendor or service provider to a manufacturer. So it, it's very different. So to even get their attention, I like the trigger of the message because if they have their notifications turned on, that message typically will take to an email or some notification, and then they will, there's a stronger likelihood that they're going to read it. So then they've been brought there and now we can at least have a conversation or deepen that relationship like I talked about earlier. Um, the, the second thing that we've been doing is inviting people to follow us. And that's how we've grown our followers. So I said it was a metric earlier. So that simple invitation of if you, if you would like to learn more about Gen Alpha or you'd like to follow the content that we're sharing, which is going to be heavily industry related, please follow us on LinkedIn. And each month our followers are increasing. So the simple ask, which is something we just started doing, I would say five months ago, um, we, we've been building the followers every month thereafter. So those have been really important. Now I will say that the actual conversation from social, that is slower to achieve. Just because we've engaged with them, that they've connected with us, 
even so even if they've accepted the connection request and they followed us it does not mean that they're ready for a conversation so anybody out there don't expect that that's going to happen quickly and of course unless you have something really special that we haven't figured out but they're just most of them aren't ready yet to have that conversation. They still want to learn about you, your company, um, and that's where hopefully you get to really shine. They, they establish that connection with you over time, and when they're ready, they will reach out to you. So the, the actual physical conversation takes a bit more time. Okay, that makes that makes perfect sense. It sounds like it's almost like you're warming folks up through your social selling. And then over time, you'll have those more sort of intimate person to person conversations that sound like yeah. that's yeah, that's the hope, right. And, and that's really what we're seeing is that the, the true conversations come after they've really, um, I like to say many, many touch points. And then they're ready. And sometimes it just takes a shift in something that they're doing in their organization, whether it's budget period, and they're thinking about a service that you provide or a product you provide. And they, they now want to reach out because it, at this point, they know you, they recognize you and they understand the services you can provide. So they're engaging it, but it takes a shift on their end to, to create the conversation, not yeah. your shift. Right. right? It's right. very, often we're not going to shift them. It's a shift on their end. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And actually Lori, as a, as a content producer and a guide for people to produce their own content, you're part of that shift, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what's your experience in, in the, observing the transition that people have had to made and, and make, and we're talking specifically about in the sales cycle, um, to going to more of a digital sales uh, approach and social sales approach. Yeah, I love uh, what Chris said about first creating the ask, because so many people forget to do that. And that's the most important part. Everyone is running around crazy and has, you know, shiny objects and squirrels in every direction. So the simple, <laughs> like, hey, do you want to follow us is actually extremely beneficial because they may have wanted to do that, but just forgot. <laughs> so sometimes it's the ask or just tell, go follow us. <laughs> it, it's extremely powerful and yet so simple. And so many people are missing that opportunity. Um, but what you're talking about, Chris, is really what's changed in the whole selling process, actually, in the experience of I'm going to meet you for the first time at a trade show. And you came to my booth because there was something that intrigued you on that, you know, the message on the wall or the product on the table, whatever it is. Um, and then we're going to start a conversation because you're really interested in that. But wow, now what's happening. Um, and I, I like to relate it to the old school newspaper. Every single newspaper had car ads in it every single week. The reason is because they want to make sure the brands, the, the car salespeople want to make sure that when you are ready to buy, their brand is in front of you. And it's the same thing with what's happening in the B2B social selling space. It's not that I'm going to be a hard sales pitch. I'm going to constantly be knocking on your door. Rather, I'm going to continue to one, be top of mind. And two, continue to just provide valuable information and showcase my expertise so that when the time is ready that you want to buy or at least start that conversation, I've already proven myself and my, you know me, you like me, you trust me. 
So actually, we're further along in the sales process than if we just had that conversation at that trade show booth, because we've already done all of the information of proving expertise um, and, and providing value. So I've actually experienced this and I've, I've seen some of our clients experience this and it, it's just fascinating to see. Um, you know, I'm going in thinking it's a discovery call and I'm doing all my homework and they're like, we're ready. <laughs> Just tell us where to sign. And I'm like, what? <laughs> cool. <Yay>. It works. <laughs> That's amazing. How do I get more of you? But I realize it's one, making sure that you have the right people following you. And that goes back to that ask that you talked about, Chris, and, and telling the people that you want to be learning from you, following you so that you are establishing that trust so that when they are ready to buy, there's no doubt in their mind who they're reaching out to. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I love that story. And it also, it brings to mind a quote I just came across the other day and you may have seen it before. Um, a problem well stated is a problem half solved. Mm -hmm. And that brings to mind content because what you're really doing when you're developing quality content is you're stating the problem, mm -hmm. the pain, the problem, and doing it in doing it well, hopefully. And so you've already provided, you've already walked down that road of the solution of solving the problem so that when folks come to you and they say, I'm ready, it's in part because you have started to solve the problem for them through stating it in your content. Um, and with that in mind, I'd love to hear from both of you. You're both amazing at content. And Chris, like, I love how you just, you think so well through the problem statement. You have a knack for analogies and knack for bringing this like really what could be esoteric stuff down to brass tacks. Um, and so I'd love to hear how you go about doing that and how you build your content. Um, and then Lori, I'm going to talk to you because you are the content magician. So, um, but let's, <laughs> let's start with, let's, let's start with Chris. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, we had decided that content would be an opportunity to share our thought leadership in the space. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thank you for your kind words, but I do think that I think very simply and I try to write very simply as well. I'm not trying to sound smart, just share my experience and hopefully that becomes the most useful. But the way we've been able to publish so much content is that we, we decided that we wanted to increase our brand awareness and drive lead generation it leads to our sales team. And we were going to do that through content. So what we did is we set goals on the amount of content that we would create each month, the, the number of posts that we would put on LinkedIn, the number of articles we would write, the number of blogs, the, no, the number of articles we would submit to publications and hope that they share uh, for us as well and video creation. So even if it's snippets of me participating with somebody else, we have accounts and we're going to achieve that. And what it's ha what's happened is it's forced us to research, to, um, to explore different topics, to share our experiences. And for me, it's forced me to say yes to a lot of things that historically, I probably would not have done because it would be outside my comfort zone, <laughs> you know? So 
but we really thought that this was important. If, if we were going to increase our brand awareness, people had to know how our employees thought about how we could help other manufacturers. And that's really what we've been doing. And, you know, I learned from my team. So all of the things and from our customer experiences. And, and then, of course, I have my own life experiences. So combining all of that together is it goes into that creation process. And that's really how we've been able to do it. And I have to tell you, we started it in 2020. So we, we've been in business for 10 years. For eight of those years, we really did no marketing. It was word of mouth. Of course, we had a website, but uh, we, we weren't trying to drive it. We didn't even know the initiatives. But in 2020, we, we sat down, we wrote our goals, and we have been achieving them consistently now over however many months, that is 18, 19 months now. And thankfully, we had done that because the pandemic would have forced us to go there anyway. But now we had a plan. We were already in the middle of it and we just kept going. And it, it's really paying off, I think, today for you to even say something like that. So that's our that's what we're doing. Well, I love it. And I, I love how you're using goals to drive behavior and to get you out of your comfort zone. That's a really good tidbit because I mean, goals have their own value, but to like kind of push you to try new things you wouldn't do otherwise is not something I'd considered before. So that's great. Hey, Lori, tell us, tell us what you do, how you do the content <laughs> magic that you do. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so broad. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say, let's just say, let me, let me make it a little more simple. What are your, your key must do's for content production for somebody comes to you and they say, well, we don't have a content marketing plan at all. What, what do you make sure they start with? Sure. Well, um, it's building a plan. And, and I, I really like that Chris and her team fleshed out the plan and defined some clear goals because, um, and I spoke to this earlier, at the end of the day, if you're just making assumptions and just randomly throwing stuff out there, the location, the message, you don't know if it's actually going to be doing its job and serving its purpose. So when it comes to what content and where, um, it really, you have to go deep into your customer and figure out what is that pain. And this is something you both kind of addressed already and figuring out not necessarily the pain that you're assuming that you have the solution for that they, that they're coming to you in, in their language. It's understanding the pain and, and how they're thinking about it and using the same messaging across that space. And then more importantly, fix the message, get it right, and then understand where to position it. So you can just put some stuff all over the place. Chris, you mentioned you were on Twitter and Facebook and weren't finding a value. And, and you know, a lot of people just jump in and assume that these are the platforms because they're the most popular platforms that they should be on there. But the reality is that you have to really understand your customer and figure out where are they hanging out online? Mm -hmm. um, and then you decide, do I want to go wide or do I want to go deep? Do I want to go deep in that platform and really own that platform and be the thought leader on that platform? Or do I want my message spread across a number of different platforms? And then you're, you, we all know, you know, time is money and, and you only have so many resources at the end of the day. So um, I'm a fan of picking and starting with one platform and going deep on that and really building a strong following in that space. Um, you know, you guys talk about that you're on Clubhouse and some other platforms right now. And I, I, I love Clubhouse and I was fascinating with it. And I just realized I don't have the time to invest in that. Mm -hmm. I'm spreading myself way too thin. 
And I just, I can't do it. <laughs> I'll jump on as guests on people's shows every once in a while, but I, I know that the, their values there, it's very powerful, but we've already invested in other channels. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make is they're spreading themselves way too thin. Mm-hmm. And then there's lots of strategies around repurposing content. So many people are fearful of, they're always having to think of something new to create, but at the end of the day, they didn't realize well, you've been doing this for 10 years. You probably have emails that have content that you've written to just respond to someone's question that there's a blog post or a social media post. You've already got it written. There's no reason to to have to just wreck your head and go, what do I write about today? The answers are in front of you. It, it's simply the questions that people have asked you. And, and if one person asked you it, there's likely a hundred other people asking that same question and probably Googling it or looking for this, the answer on a forum somewhere. So that's, that's really kind of the position that I have on it. Broad answer for a broad question. (laughs) (laughs) For a broadcast. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, I wanted to ask you though, with your plan that you implemented in 2020 and we're the halfway three quarters of the way through 2021, my goodness. Um, I mentioned how, social selling and, and, and content creation changes the sales conversation. Do you, have you found that to be true in, in what you've been doing and implementing? Yes. Um, y- you know, I, often we wonder if all of the content we're even putting out there is being read because you know reactions. Obviously there's the analytics, but you don't know if it's reaching the audience that you would like to reach, right? And mm-hmm. I am continually surprised by how many people tell me they've read something that I've written or that they've been on our website and visited something somebody else has created. Um, And, you know, so they're following. And I think, Lori, you had a post about this Mm -hmm. where, you know, they're they're kind of lurking out Mm -hmm. there and you don't realize that they are. But now something that happened connected them uh, to what you had said or shared or written that then move something forward. And you only find out about that when you're in the selling conversation. Yep. So, uh, absolutely. Thank you for asking that question because it, it's, uh, again, taken a while to get there, but it is those, uh, confirmations that you're like, okay, just keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Cause there are days where you're like, really? Yep. They only, you know, two mm-hmm. reactions on that one. That's mm-hmm. the best we thought that would be the best, you know, and, uh, but who knows really who's watching and, and who's looking at it and really did connect with it. So cool. Yeah. 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 The, the alert, you can't underestimate the lurking. Of course you can't like fool yourself into believing, you know, that you're having engagement that you aren't, but right. I think there almost, there should be a metric we could apply to like lurkability like because <laughs> I just I can't count the number of times somebody said oh I saw something something I'm like and you didn't even give me the little thumbs up or this heart okay here's a quick little LinkedIn trick that I'm going to share with that um, oh, good. when someone asks is there anything I can do to help you my answer is engage with my posts on LinkedIn oh, that's good great it's great. so simple it's so simple it is. It is. And people want to, they want they to do. help you. They, mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a sort of assumption like, oh, it doesn't really matter. Or you don't, but yeah, they want to help. That's a really good one. Yeah, Thank you. Like too. 
So I'm going to I'm going to start to wrap us up and I'm going to copy something from one of my favorite podcasters at the end of every interview. He always asks for three book recommendations from um, the folks he's talking to. So I'd like to turn that back to you guys. And I'm going to start with Lori. Lori, what are three books you would recommend? Oh, this is such a fun question. I have so many books that I want to read. But I I have some that actually that, as I mentioned, I I used to teach at the local university. And on the last day, there's a series of books that I I would put on. I said, no matter what, keep teaching yourself, keep learning, keep reading. And here's some books I highly recommend. So um, the top three, uh, The One Thing by Gary Keller. I've actually reread that one about three or four times now. And it's all about um, really you identify your goal and then asking yourself, what is the one thing that I can do today to help me achieve that goal? So it's really helping you get clear on the chaos of everything that's in your life. Mm -hmm. The next one is the miracle morning by Hal Elrod. Um, he basically interviewed a ton of extremely successful individuals to identify the trends and what their morning routines were like and um, found uh, six um, things that were basically consistent, um, not necessarily all six per person, but he put those six and built a morning routine. Um, There's an acronym that's SAVER. So it's uh, silence, which is meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing which is journaling. Um, and I implemented his philosophy. It changed um, so many different things in my mental state and productivity. Um, I don't do all six anymore, but I, I found what works for me. And the last one is actually more a business book geared towards either leadership teams or business owners. It's called Traction by Gino Wickman. And it's really about the philosophy on running um, uh, uh, the, it's called the entrepreneurial operating system. Um, and it's just a way to really be strategic in your in your business and have some structure around it. Great. Awesome. Thank you. I can't wait to get my hands on all three of those. Chris, what about you? Do you have three books you would recommend? Yes, absolutely. I, I you know, this is such a fun question. And I have to tell you that I am a, I'm a learner by nature. So every test that I take, I just love to learn. And for 25 years of my career, I would sit, say to people that you could find me in the self-help section of the bookstore because mm-hmm. that's where I always find, found the best books. And then, of course, the business section. But I have to tell you, and since this is the Manufacturing Mavens podcast I, you know, series, I thought I would just uh, touch on a few books because I've really been into the lives of women lately. And I've, mm-hmm. I've either read or listened to a lot of memoirs and um, Untamed. By Glennon Doyle. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Glennon Doyle. I've been following her writing for a long time. She's awesome. Um, a fantastic, uh, I think for, for women, Untamed is something, it, it's a must read or a must listen to book. Um, just as I am, Cicely Tyson, uh, she just uh, recently passed away at 96 years old. Uh, a phenomenal uh, African-American woman who really took care of her career and the movies that she participated in, um, remarkable career uh, in acting. And um, I didn't know her life. I didn't know her life story. It's encouraged me to study uh, African-American history in a, a different way uh, than I ever wanted to participate in the past. So 
I really enjoyed listening to her book. In fact, I've listened to it on multiple times. So it's kind of interesting to say that for a memoir, but I've gone back and just because I think through her life, she just has beautiful stories that make you want to be a better human or take a real position on things as well. So, and then right now I am listening to All In by Billie Jean King. And she is, uh, she's reading it herself. Um, obviously not a trained reader of books, but it's her life and her life story. Uh, I wasn't old enough to watch her play tennis. Uh, I was born in 74 and she was kind of winding down her career and around that time frame. but she's been a, a female activist for many years. And uh, a lot of the sports, I'm a sports person by nature. I, I love everything about uh, participating and competing and and team sports particularly, but um, listening to her story and all the things that they overcame um, and how they signed a contract for one dollar, uh, you know, it's it's pretty remarkable. So I won't give too many things away, but those are some really good ones that I've read recently or listened to that uh, have changed me in some way. Just listening to another woman's story, so. Awesome. Awesome. I love all of these recommendations and I like that theme as well. It's, it's very appropriate to our podcast. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to hand it over to Lori as our, as our official host. Um, and thank you both so much for the privilege of having this conversation with you today. You're both amazing. Oh, you're amazing, Aaron. Yeah, you're both, amazing. both of you, but uh, Aaron, you knocked it out of the park as a as a podcast host, guest host. So thank you so much for stepping in. Um, great questions, great conversation. This definitely part one of the series was, was electric. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've enjoyed what you heard, definitely chime in for part two and three. Part two, we're going to be diving into manufacturing and the digital transformation um, that's happening in this space. And then part three, we're going to be talking about co-opetition versus competition. Hmm. Um, interested in strategic digital marketing? Feel free to reach out to me, Lori Hybe. If you're interested in learning more about manufacturing e-commerce solutions, feel free to reach out to Chris Harrington. And if you're interested in um, some uh, manufacturing consulting services, reach out to Aaron Courtney. We got a number of great offerings specifically for our listeners. You can find out more information about these offerings and our host at keystoneclick.com forward slash mavens. All right, this wraps up our episode of Social Capital. Thank you so much for listening.